Welcome to Matter of Principles, a podcast from the Association of Washington School Principals. We've got some original podcasts in our feed. The podcast you're about to hear is the audio from an episode of AWSP TV, our talk show for principals. Make sure to tune in to our live episodes and catch all of our shows by subscribing to our YouTube channel. In the meantime, enjoy the audio from this episode of AWSP TV. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of AWSP News. We are fortunate today to have a special guest in our studio. John Wiesman, Secretary of Health for the State of Washington, has joined us live today in our, in our studio. John, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. I appreciate it. You bet. John's probably wondering, uh, why am I sitting here and <laughs> why are we talking uh, with the Secretary of Health from the State of Washington? But I've got good reasons. Uh, I get a lot of calls from principals all over the state, John, who are struggling with this ongoing battle of substance abuse with students. Um, and we all know that it, it all starts with experimenting and um, kids might start with chewing tobacco and end up with heavy addiction issues. So it starts somewhere and our principals are dealing with that on the front lines. Uh, one of the initiatives that was brought to our attention right away this year was this whole idea of uh, Tobacco 21 in Washington. Um, but before we get into that, why don't you start with a little bit about who you are and your role and how you ended up in, uh, in your current position. Absolutely. So my role as Secretary of Health is to really run the State Health Department and serve on the, gov the Governor's Cabinet. So the, Secretary, the Department of Health has a huge book of business, everything from regulating our health care providers, almost a half a million of them, uh, to stopping and controlling disease outbreaks working on preventing chronic disease uh, like heart disease and tobacco use. Um, and so we have a really broad book including safe water and safe food. Uh, and you might imagine it's a large department. Mm -hmm. And my interest sort of in all of this and how I got started in many ways goes back to my childhood. So I grew up in a small town in rural Wisconsin. Uh, and had uh, four brothers and two sisters and a mom and dad and stable life and a great school system that I felt comfortable in. And what I realized as an adult was this thing about healthy starts really goes way back to the beginning and it goes back to having these stable nurturing environments for kids whether that be in our home or in our school systems where they spend so much time. And that really drove my passion towards public health. And awesome. that's sort of what led me to being Secretary of Health. And s sounds like the responsibilities of the Secretary of Health are very similar to a principal. You might say <laughs> that in some ways, yes. A huge scope of work. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Tobacco 21 in Washington? Sure. The Attorney General and I are requesting the legislature to pass legislation that would raise the age of sales for uh, tobacco from 18 to 21, tobacco and vape products. Um, we really understand that we want to prevent another generation from being addicted to tobacco and to vape products and nicotine. And really the way we have to get there is to keep tobacco out of the hands of our kids. And what we know is that a lot of our kids um, are getting tobacco from those who are in their social network, those who are 18, 19, 20, where it's legal to purchase that, whether that be older school kids, older siblings, people they work with. And so this effort really is about preventing another generation from becoming addicted to tobacco. And what are some of the early arguments you're hearing from people about uh, bumping it up to 21? 
Well, you know, this is actually our fifth attempt at this, <laughs> and uh, last year we made it all the way through the House on a really strong bipartisan support. And we always knew that if we could get this bill to the floor of the House and the Senate, we would get it passed. Um, the concerns that we've run into along the way um, uh, are, one, if you're 18 uh, and you can vote uh, and go to war, why can't you uh, smoke? Well, I point out to the fact that we actually want healthy folks in our military, and the military is really having a hard time recruiting people in part because of health issues. Um, and we say that, you know, 21 is the age for purchasing um, alcohol and, uh, and now marijuana in this case and firearms and that it really just makes sense. And it goes back to brain development actually, which I know your audience fully understands mm -hmm. that brains develop all the way up till the age of 25 and those last things to develop sort of are the reasoning and cognitive functions and impulse control. Um, and so we really think this is the way to go. Um, and we think we have the support from the legislators when they actually get the bill to the floor. That's great. I asked my son and his group of friends about this notion of moving it to 21. And um, it was interesting listening to their conversation. But one of the things they kind of uh, said consistently across the board was, well, they should at least move it to 19, Dad, because it is so easy to be in the schools with all of the seniors who are 18 uh, in the system. Mm -hmm. Um, and he even pointed out that it's being pushed all the way into the middle level uh, schools because of siblings and friends within the system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 19 is one of those issues that comes up and what we know from research and what the National Academy of Sciences has found is that raising the age to 19 will do very little to decrease initiation and then long-term use. Mm -hmm that getting it to 21 will reduce initiation by, we think, about 25%. And again, if you think about it, it makes sense because kids are getting this from their social network. Um, and frankly, they're, you know, kids 15 to 17, they're around 19, 20-year-olds, 20 21, again, as I said, whether they're older siblings, cousins, if they work at a you know, fast food restaurant, for example, folks tend to be a younger crowd who work there, and that's where they're getting their product. With our laws sort of preventing the sale and our work with retailers on preventing that, folks really aren't getting their tobacco products from there anymore. So this is, this is where we need to focus now. Yeah. So you mentioned this word vape or vaping. Mm -hmm. um, I would imagine that a lot of our parent population, a lot of our principals are, may not know all of the details around what vaping means. What exactly is a vape or vaping? Right, well, vaping is really just another way of delivering nicotine to folks and, and frankly, sort of uh, making it look like it's not harmful. Um, so vape devices are uh, a device that has uh, liquid in it, usually contains nicotine, has toxic chemicals in it, um, heavy metals, um, and it gets heated up and sort of vaporized and then you inhale um, that. And that's what vaping is. And uh, I think many people think it is safe um, or safer than, than tobacco for our youth, and it's really not. Um, like I said, we've got harmful um, chemicals uh, in these liquid products, uh, and even the flavored uh, products that folks think, oh, it's just flavoring. No, you've got these other things in there as well. And we have found even in packages that say n no nicotine in them, when they actually get tested, there is oftentimes nicotine in those products. So maybe a sneaky way of, of initiating, uh, taking a student down the road of addiction by just small traces of nicotine. 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, frankly, the tobacco companies are looking for a new way to market their product because we've been pretty successful in reducing the consumption of combustible tobacco. Um, and they know they have to keep finding ways to get new customers. Uh, and so these sort of new electronic gadgets that, you know, appeal to our younger generation um, are one way to do that. So uh, I hear this all the time. Is there a difference between vaping and a Joule, what's a Joule? Are those, is Joule just a fancier term for vaping? Joule is really just one of those vaping products. Um, and it's a product that has about 70% of the market. Um, so they're doing uh, well for themselves, shall we say. And I will say, I think, for themselves. Um, they also have a pr this product, this Joule, um, actually uh, puts the nicotine in nicotine salts rather than sort of free-based nicotine. And what that does is it makes it smoother and uh, easier for folks to handle and actually get, deliver more nicotine than combustible tobacco. So it's really, um, you know, not a product that we want our youth uh, using. Uh, we don't want any of our youth uh, using nicotine at all. So for parents that are watching this video right now, or the principals who've had a student sitting in their office and uh, they get the comment, oh, it's just flavored vape. Yeah. What do you, what do the parents say to that? What, are, what should principals be counseling students when they're getting the argument that ah, it's just a flavored vape? Right. Well, there is no just flavored vape. That's the message and it is not safe. Um, like I said, there are oftentimes heavy metals in this liquid as well and other toxic chemicals. Um, and even some of the flavorings can cause what we call popcorn lung, uh, which is these uh, components get deep into the lungs and into the smallest areas of the lungs, and they cause inflammation. Um, and that leads to a thing called popcorn lung, which got its name from um, flavored uh, uh, microwave popcorn has um, some of this flavoring in it, and the workers who were around that get this condition of popcorn lung. Um, and so, Flavor is not safe. That's the message. <laughs> so as parents and principals, again, you know, it's pretty easy to tell when a student's under the influence of alcohol. Um, it used to be pretty easy to, to detect a student who was high from marijuana. Uh, what, what are some of the behaviors that parents should be looking for if a student's starting to, to develop a nicotine addiction? Mm -hmm. I mean, what, are there specific behaviors that are obvious? What, what should parents be looking for? What are the telltale signs maybe that a student's heading down this road? Yes, yeah, Scott, it's a tricky thing um, with this because uh, sometimes, you know, the initial use of nicotine can actually make you feel good and you may not notice anything. Um, but when you start seeing signs of addiction, um, so those things where somebody might have a craving uh, for nicotine or they're going out of their way to get nicotine products, uh, that's a sign that one um, is addicted. And then if one stops that, you've got the withdrawal symptoms that happen. I mean, anxiety that can go along with this, depression, um, anger, you can have sleeplessness. Um, so this sort of disrupted uh, pattern um, of behavior might be concern. But you know, it's so insidious that I think really part of what you have to do is you have to talk to your kids mm -hmm. um, about both, uh, well, nicotine, tobacco, and vape. Um, and really that these things are, are harmful. Um, and we know that for younger kids especially, these middle school, early high school, they listen to their parents. They actually care what their parents have to say. So it's really important that parents, that principals, teachers in the classroom have the conversation with their students. 
overwhelming. When you think about principling today, um, we hear a lot from the field uh, that principles are finding these vape products everywhere. Um, backpacks, they can get them at local mm -hmm. shops. Um, what are the, some of the different vehicles you're seeing? In other words, if I've got a principal who out there and they're opening a backpack, what does a vape thing look like? Right, well, you know, they used to look uh, much like a long cylinder that might look more like a cigarette, you know, an electronic version of that. But again, the, the industry is just really moving in a different direction. Now these products like Juul really look like USB devices. Uh, that, that you plug into your computers. And frankly, you do plug them into your computers to recharge the battery. And they come with these uh, skins that you can put on it, these coverings, which are oftentimes very bright colored, attractive um, uh, to youth and, and to folks. So when you're looking for these products, yes, you're looking for regular you know, combustible uh, tobacco that you might uh, see. Uh, products that look more like an electronic cigarette, but now you even have to be thinking about what looks like a USB device. And you know, this is the danger because mm -hmm. in these devices now, um, there's often very little aerosolization and really no smell with, with us. Um, and these are not just products that often have nicotine, but THC or marijuana can also now be delivered through these products. And I'm confident that the principals out there are seeing this um, in their school setting uh, as well. And that's why we really jump on this really early on, uh, both in terms of uh, identifying if we're seeing this and intervening early, uh, but it's also why raising the age for the sale of tobacco and vape to 21 is so important. We just have to keep this out of our kids' hands. Yeah, and I have to say on behalf of all the principals in the state that the legalization of marijuana in the state has been a complete nightmare for school administrators. Uh, and now, because it is so transferable in these new products, uh, it's really made policing uh, marijuana products in the schools nearly impossible. Uh, principals are really in the business of prevention and trying to get kids help, but these products are making uh, the detection uh, in their schools very, very difficult. Yeah, and we're very concerned about that. Um, the Healthy Use Survey, and thank you to all the principals out there who work on administering the Healthy Use <laughs> Survey. That's, this is where we get this important kind of data, both about the risk and protective factors of kids. Um, we have data that will be coming out later this year. Uh, so our data are about two years old. But in terms of marijuana, for example, we're seeing that the perceived risk of marijuana going down uh, we had not yet seen a rise in youth in marijuana use, uh, but we have seen the perception of risk go down, which mm -hmm. often precedes the increase of the use. The next wave. Yep. So uh, again, I'm just going back to trying to help principals and parents uh, determine whether their students are headed down this mm -hmm. road. What does a uh, vape product, or that you mentioned a little packet of fluid or a cylinder mm -hmm. of fluid, what's the market value? I mean, if uh, if a son or daughter is asking for 10 bucks to go to Taco Bell, mm -hmm. should parents' eyebrows be going up if it's yep. asking for 10 or 15? I mean, what's the, what does it cost the student mm -hmm. to have this new habit? Uh, they can be very inexpensive. I mean, single-use devices as a way of starting and experimenting can be a matter of a couple of dollars. Um, and so, yes, you need to be concerned. Yes, the products go from a couple of dollars to, you know, you can spend $100 or more on a fancy a vape device, uh, but uh, they're basically, they are affordable to 
every single student in your schools. Again, scary. So you know a little bit about us as an association. Mm -hmm. What can we be doing uh, to partner with you in helping go after this, what we see as an epidemic? Mm -hmm. Well, there are a number of things. Um, so we do have this bill that's going before the legislature, and we know you all have been very supportive about raising the age for the sale to 21. Uh, legislative session starts on Monday, January 14th, and on Tuesday we have a hearing in the House Health Care Committee and on Friday in the Senate. But the stories you shared earlier about what principals are seeing in the schools, those are the stories that your local elected officials need to hear, your state um, representatives and senators. They need to understand the challenges that you have in your school system and why this is so important. And they need to hear from you that keeping tobacco and vape products out of that social network where they're getting this um, is going to be incredibly helpful to your job. And that means, you know, seeing to it that we raise the age to 21. So that's one thing uh, folks can do. I think another thing is obviously educate the parents and, and uh, your students about this. Um, but I would also say that when you encounter this, and I think a lot of folks are, are in this direction, um, rather than treating it as a discipline problem, mm -hmm. treat it as a health problem. You know, that's what this is. Nicotine is an addiction. Um, and with youth developing brains, um, their brains are really primed to be addicted to nicotine. Uh, the earlier folks use it, the more likely they're to become addicted. Uh, and that's why, frankly, uh, when you see adult smokers, most of them started before 21. You see very people who start later, and in part that's brain development. Um, so do your best to treat this as a health issue um, and connect your students up to resources um, on quitting um, and just, I think, take it as the serious problem that it is. It's not to be really taken lightly. And not to put you on the spot, but what are some of those resources? I mean, where could we point principals yeah. to help uh, help them point parents in other directions? For I resources? suspected you might ask me that, so I brought a few <laughs> notes to make sure I would get this right. Um, well, one thing you can do is certainly reach out to our uh, tobacco and vapor product prevention control program at the Department of Health. Um, and our website is www.doh.wa.gov. Um, as one resource for information. Um, for more information as well that you can share with teachers, students, uh, parents, the Surgeon General's report on mm -hmm. e-cigarettes uh, is really important. That came out in 2016. And the Food and Drug Administration has an e-cigarette uh, campaign and materials. For teachers specifically, uh, Scholastic has uh, free resources for um, teachers on tobacco and vape products and, and use of those and prevention, um, as does the Stanford Tobacco Prevention Toolkit. So you could probably just, you know, uh, look that up on the web, the Stanford Tobacco Prevention Toolkit. And then for students who you've run into who um, are using vape um, and uh, are essentially addicted, calling the state quit line. Uh, youth can do that. They can do that anonymously. And that number is 1-800-QUIT-NOW. So 1-800-QUIT-NOW is the tobacco um, cessation line and vape. I can almost see that number being put up right on the screen as you were saying. That, that. would be really helpful. It would be really helpful. <laughs> 
Well, John, we can't thank you enough for coming and spending the time with us to just help create some awareness out there. This is going to be really powerful information. Um, whenever we have a guest in the studio, I love to ask some other questions. Great. So I hope you're fine with that. I am. Um, one of my favorite questions to always ask a guest is, uh, did you ever have a favorite teacher or coach in your life? And maybe who that person was or, or why they were a favorite? And that's a great question. So I attended a school system uh, in this small town where in about two buildings, you know, was K through um, eighth grade. Um, and then the high school was um, in another place. So it was uh, uh, a number of classrooms, all within a small uh, sort of campus. I had a lot of teachers actually who I would say uh, were favorite teachers uh, or uh, folks. And for me, the important, I think, characteristics about this were they were approachable. They showed that they cared about me, not just my academics, but who I was as an individual, and encouraged me to sort of grow and challenge myself, um, and built sort of that trusting relationship uh, with me, such that if I had a challenge at school, or you know something that maybe for whatever reason I couldn't go to my parent with, um, I know if there was this trusted adult who I could have some safety in, um, and reach out to and they could help me get the resources I needed. Um, that to me sort of were the qualities mm. um, around I me. And yes, they were good at teaching. They could encourage me to be intellectually stimulated, but it was also that um, human relation piece, which I think is just so important. Yeah, and I could see that relationship being super important nowadays with kids as they face some of these issues. Yeah. Uh, with social media, but also addiction issues. You know, and a few years ago, I had a chance to be a principal for a day down in Clark County when I was the health director down there. And it is clearly a different world than when I was in school. And so to the principals who are out there, thank you for what you do. I had no idea really of what your jobs were um, at this point in time until I had a chance to follow a principal around for a day and just see the challenges uh, that you are faced with, but also the great possible rewards. Yeah, we encourage all of our principals to invite their local representative in for a day. Um, so that's great that you did that, that as well. That would be fantastic. And I should do that with my uh, health directors across <laughs> the state, the local health departments, I should do that as no, well. That would be a great idea. Uh, the other question I always like to ask, and you've kind of already mentioned this a little bit, is uh, looking back, can you name a principal that was in your life that you would classify as a favorite principal? Um, well, I've had essentially three principals, one in the K through 12 uh, years, which was pretty stable, I think, and then uh, uh, two in different high schools. and. Um, I must confess, I can't come up with their names, uh, but it goes back to this sort of experience that I had at the um, school being a principal for a day. When I observed that principal sort of being, and this was in an elementary school, that principal being at the door when the students came in and said, welcome, hey Johnny, it is really good to see you here today. Uh, that to me just touched my heart and said, that's in part what this is about, making students feel welcome in this environment and letting them know that somebody noticed them, that they noticed they're here today. Um, and they might have even noticed if they're not looking so well or they seem sad. That piece about not being in the background, I think is incredibly important. So uh, if I could go back to school today <laughs> and look for a favorite principal, yeah. you know, that would stand out as well as all the academic training and the working with with teachers and, and running a building. Awesome. Well, again, John, thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. Uh, the 
the principals in our state appreciate it, and we hope this resource turns out to be super useful for them, but even more so for the parents and kids they're serving. So thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, and thanks to all of you for your support on this and many other health issues. Well, that's it from all of us here at AWSP. Keep up the great work for kids, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. To catch all of our episodes, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can watch AWSB TV and our other great video content. If you have ideas for guests or topics you'd like to hear about, shoot me an email at david at awsp.org. We'll do our best to make it happen. On behalf for all of us at AWSP, we hope you tune in again. Keep up the great work for kids, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>